0: grace and peace to you and welcome to faith lutheran church my name is candace wassell i'm the pastor here at faith it is such a joy to have you visit with us you are welcome so welcome in every part of faith's community you are welcome to join us in person at worship on sundays you're welcome to visit us online you're welcome in our mission and our fellowship and most important You are welcome at the Lord's table. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this teaching is difficult, who can accept it? But Jesus, being aware that his disciples were complaining about it, said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you were to see the son of man ascending to where he was before? It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is useless. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But among you there are some who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the first who were the ones that did not believe, and who was the one who would betray him. And he said, For this reason I have told you, that no one can come to me unless it is granted by the Father. Because of this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer went about with him. So Jesus asked the twelve, Do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. The Gospel of the Lord. All grace to you and peace from God our Creator and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You are not imagining things. We have been reading about this body and blood and flesh and blood for weeks now. It started five weeks ago for us in the Gospel of John when Jesus was feeding 5,000. An experience that made those people instant followers of Jesus. They were captivated by him. They were willing to make him king in that moment. They were putty in his hands. He could have had a huge following marching with him into Jerusalem weeks later. The authorities wouldn't have dared mess with Jesus with an army of swelling numbers. But instead of capitalizing on that moment, Jesus launches into A ridiculously long, convoluted discourse about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And here we are now, weeks later, at the end of all this talk, and his following has dwindled from 5,000 to just 12. Just 12 people are now following Jesus. He lost, speaking of numbers. 4,988 people with one terrible sermon. It is a cautionary tale on how not to grow the church. The text says he lost those 4,988 people because his teaching was too difficult. It was too hard to understand. It was asking too much. They liked Jesus when he was giving them free bread to fill their immediate material needs and shape their physical bodies. But the second he starts talking about feeding them with spiritual bread and wine, food that will change their hearts and, dare I say, even their minds, they want out. And when Jesus goes even further to say that this is his most important work and that it is going to take sacrifice, time, Energy. Trust in me. Well, then the crowd dwindles down even further to this pittance. They wanted a simple playbook. One that says just exactly how much it's going to require to get by in this life. But Jesus gives them an entirely different playbook with a different timeline, a different meal plan. And for those 4,988, it's just too much. They don't want to operate on a different timeline. They are weary. Exhausted already by the world. And they cannot see how they will have the energy for a whole new life of faith. I get that. I could not identify more with being weary especially after a few weeks of seeing breakthrough COVID cases, the return of masks, devastating earthquakes in an already fragile Haiti, terrifying environmental news, chaos in Afghanistan, which no doubt will be hardest on women, children, and the infirm. And it's all just too much, and I am, brothers and sisters, world-weary. And I feel like tossing my hands in the air, and giving in to the sort of cynicism and hopelessness of one who does not have the promise of the gospel to hang on to. There is a name for what I'm feeling, and possibly for what those 4,988 people are feeling. It's called the Chernobyl Syndrome. You can imagine what that's from. It's when healthy people feel their health is doomed no matter what they do and so they engage in risky behavior. In 1986, when the reactor number four melted down at the Chernobyl nuclear power plant in the Soviet Union city of Pripyat, it had disastrous consequences for the health of those in the surrounding community and for the environment. But, there were also all kinds of people who did not suffer any consequences to their health. For whatever reason, they were far enough away, they got out in time, they were just lucky. But they were fine. But psychologically, they believed their physical health was doomed, no matter what they did. That what happened in this environment was going to be so catastrophic for their physical body that it wouldn't matter how they live their life. And so why not drink excessively? Why not do drugs? Why exercise? Why eat healthy? None of that matters. I am doomed to cancer anyway. My timeline is headed toward destruction that I cannot control. It's why alcoholism and drug abuse are so rampant in the area surrounding chernobyl chernobyl syndrome and anyone can catch this sort of world weariness and think things are so broken that they might as well give up taking care of anything brothers and sisters the world surrounds us With its fractured, broken state, and it gets into our heads. And at times we can find ourselves even applying our world weariness to our faith lives and our willingness to follow where Jesus is leading, studying the Word worshipping with each other, giving time to our neighbors, praying for someone. All that starts to feel like just another drop in this giant chaotic bucket that gets us no further down the road toward no, toward no, normalcy and stability. And before we know it, Jesus is turning not to Peter and the 12 disciples, but he's turning to us and asking, "Do you also wish to go away?" And if I'm being honest this week, I want to say, yes. Yes, thank you for asking, Jesus. You had me at Delta variant weeks ago. I would like to go away. There doesn't seem to be an end in sight. There doesn't seem to be anything I can do. Trying to keep my head afloat and following you is all too much. Luckily, I don't get to answer. I don't get to answer. Peter does. The Rock. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And his answer reminds us that we are not on this world's timeline. And we are not on this world's meal plan. The chaos of this world, it doesn't have a future. It is hopeless. And the food we eat in this life isn't the food that truly changes us or gives us hope. But Jesus has a different timeline, a different playbook. Jesus is preparing us for eternal life, and he is feeding us food that calms our spirit with the promise of forgiveness so that we can live with a sense of hope in the here and now. Because when we know our future is secure, we can hold the world weariness at bay just a little longer. It is not my habit. I do not preach about heaven and hell up here. I have heard hell used one too many times as a weapon to trust that I can be careful enough with it myself. And heaven doesn't always apply to the issues I'm dealing with today, so I just kind of stay away from those two subjects. But just this once, I am going to preach heaven and hell. Hell doesn't have to wait. It can get in your head right now and convince you there's no reason to care about your neighbor because the world's all going downhill anyway why bother trying but brothers and sisters heaven is equally real and equally accessible right now for when we know our future is secure we are able to live for something other than ourselves now what does that look like so as i I was saying, uh, this week, and for weeks past, I have been feeling exceptionally world-weary. And we also lost a young sister in Christ this week, last week, rather, and her funeral was this Friday. So my mind was in a darker place on Friday. And that's the frame of mind I was in on that very same day when I got a chance to sit down and chat with two little kiddos in our congregation, twins. Twins who had just started first grade this past week. And I started out the conversation with them lamenting that they had to wear their masks to school. I said, oh, I'm sorry you guys have to wear masks all day. That must be hard. And the little girl goes, no, it's not. I still made four friends. And then her little twin brother turns to me and said, actually, I made eight new friends. And now those are two people who trust their future is secure. And they have a reason to live in joy and hope right now. Somewhere there is a parent telling those children not to worry, that they have their future secured. And that is what Jesus is up to. That is what Peter testifies to. It's also what our saints, who have entered into that eternal life, testify to. We've been together for some time now, seven years this month, and we've buried enough loved ones together to know that there is nothing quite as powerful at combating the chaos of this world than knowing that we have a celestial cloud of witnesses gathered on the other side of this altar who are testifying when we cannot. They are for us a shield of faith. A witness to eternal life that gives us strength to stand against darkness. And when we don't have the strength to answer Jesus, they, like Peter, answer for us, Lord, to whom shall these people go? You alone have their eternal life. And when we are able to grasp that truth. To grasp that eternal timeline that we are on we will find the, the strength to shake off weariness, to grab on to hope, not just for ourselves, but for, oh, maybe say 4,988 people who are out there and need another shot at hearing what Jesus is actually trying to tell them. You don't have to save it. I've got it. Just follow me. And we'll get there. I'm on a different timeline. Thanks be to God for Jesus, who continues to give us as many chances as it takes to shake off this weariness. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you, and I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.